Hey, welcome to Yes, but welcome to the show. Hello. Yes, this is the show that we're doing at this point in time right now. Yeah. But are we? When are you listening to this? The answer that question. Where are you listening to this? (laughs) Whatever. Whenever you're listening to it, it is now. Where? This is the now. Where? This is now. Technically, now now is every time is now. Let's get Michio Kaku on people. We won't even be doing this show when this episode is released. That's how not now it is. What? It's the future, baby. (laughs) (laughs) We're coming to you from the past. That's how this works. Yeah, but when someone's in the moment of listening to this, they will be in the moment of our now. And this, dear what? listener, no. is... And this, what you're saying doesn't make sense. We're constantly in the present. You mean you mean to tell me that somebody is going to magically listen to this episode on May 18th, 2021 at 10.15 p.m.? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> you look into the eyes of God and you tell me that again. And Yeah, yes. anytime someone listens to this specific episode, yes. it will be that exact moment in time. Dear listeners, this week our call to action is to badger Michio Kaku, renowned quantum theorist, on Twitter and get him on Hey Ass Butt because we would like to talk with him. (laughs) Have a little time travel discussion. Yes. I don't know who invented time, but you bring that son of a bitch in front of me. We need to have words. (laughs) We're going to have words and throw hands, baby. Yeah. Technically, before the episode's released, it's all happening at once. Fuck you, Schrodinger and your stupid fucking cat. I'm just kidding. The cat's probably innocent. Probably not. I bet he knocked his microphone off into the wine as well. Okay, so I... I feel like they can read from what happened from what I said. Yeah, no, this is all coming together (laughs) swimmingly. Like, guys, guys, we do not need to cut this and re-record it. We have nailed this. We have nailed the opening of this conversation. This has been a perfect intro. (laughs) I think anyone listening to this would be like, wow, these idiots are so dumb. I have got to hear more. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's why people listen to Joe Rogan. Honestly, that's that's why I listen to half the podcast that I do. Wow, these dumbasses. What other tomfoolery will they get into today? Or tonight? That's what I love about listening to The Boogie Monster with Kyle Kinane and Dave Stone. Because Kyle Kinane is just like, hey, we're fucking idiots. But we're going to talk about this shit anyway. Yeah. Listening to them try to, like, calculate the circumference of the earth was hilarious. Oh, shit. Because they didn't do it right at all. Oh, God. Travis, the day you're like, hey, for an opening section of Hey Ass But We Should Do Math is the day I take out my gun (laughs) (laughs) that has two bullets in the chamber. The first one in case I miss my own head. (laughs) Trigger warning, suicide jokes. Okay. Trigger warning, there's a trigger warning in this. (laughs) Yeah, trigger warning. There's a meme. I'm still on Tumblr because I'm stuck in the past um, because it's actually 2014 right now and porn hasn't been banned yet. Uh, And there's a meme going around on Tumblr that's like, this video game has scenes. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I saw that. (laughs) This video game (laughs) has stuff in it. And it's just like, it sure does, doesn't it? Yeah, this video game depicts. (laughs) (laughs) This video game has. 
Uh, that's like listening to an episode of Hey Aspect because we really need to start. I'm going to write down. I'm going to write down a trigger warning for us to add later, okay? T.W. Suicide. This is all very meta. Anyways, okay. <laughs> Today, Ben wanted to ask us a question. And because we tried to do something different for two weeks and everyone we talked to was like, fuck you, go back to the old way. <laughs> we We're going to answer we it. <laughs> we did it for longer than two weeks, but they told us that they didn't like it week one. Yeah. And we were like, we're doing it anyway. <laughs> fuck you. This is our show. <laughs> okay, anyways, Ben, ask us your question. Who's a musician or a group that isn't punk that you consider to be punk or has punk energy? I love this question for so many reasons because sometimes I don't even think punks have punk energy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, who the fuck? Uh, Glenn Danzig? God, yeah. Yeah, uh, that guy's da- a bitch. Gl- like, Glenn Danzig him. was a metalhead that got an interest in punk. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't. He's not, a, he's not a punk. Oh come on, man! The Misfits is totally punk. Well, yeah, the Misfits is a punk band. Yeah. But Glenn Danzig was not. No, he was not. He he was not a punk from the get go. Oh no no. Well okay yeah. yeah. But I mean, what I'm saying is is that he technically has done some punk things, and I would consider him to not have punk energy. Right. He's done some very anti-punk things recently. Correct. Uh, like he has said uh, that he didn't think that the punk movement could have could have started now because of all the wokeness, and everybody oh, was right. like, "Dude, there was a person of color who twerked on Satan in a music video." Yeah. Like, bro, that's not punk. I don't know yeah, what for is. Real. Yeah. Hey, first nomination for that, Lil Nas X. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah correct. I knew someone was going to go with that, and that is like, honestly, that was the answer I was. That hoping. wasn't even the answer that I had thought of when you pitched this question. Dang. That's just what has come up naturally. Right. Yeah. Lil Nas X, for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. Honestly. It, a lot of hip hop artists these days have that punk energy. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like that's really where that energy is gone. It's it's left punk. I mean, punk is still punk kind of, but that like energy that early punk had mm. is now inside hip hop. Yeah. Well, I guess the question is, do you consider like because obviously pump punk is not you know just punk i mean it's pop punk yeah. but would you consider pop punk to have pop punk energy would i consider pop punk to have punk energy some of it yes a lot of it no yeah i mean i guess i mean i guess you can say that for anything but yeah, yeah. i would agree like i think i think i think punk has pop punk can have punk energy but like oftentimes it comes across i think it's just a little too whiny for me I guess yeah maybe if i can should... If I can never listen to Simple Plan again, in fact, if I could erase their discography from the face of the earth, I fucking would. <laughs> um, I can't remember any simple. I was about to start singing a Simple Punk song, and I yeah, don't I know don't. A, a, a Simple Plan song. Any Simple Plan song. They're they're Welcome trash. To my life. There we go. Was yeah, that there one? You go. That's I, yeah. One. Okay. Yeah. I nailed it. Oh God, fourteen-year-old me would be so upset with me right now. <laughs> You don't remember uh, my simple plan? They're amazing. Uh, <laughs> Where I was going to go is, to me, punk 
is a lot of it is about authenticity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you are just being authentic in what you're creating, that's that's punk as fuck. I would also say that to me, punk is political. Um, that yeah. is that is not to say that everything that's punk is necessarily something I agree with politically. Yeah. But no, half the Ramones voted for Reagan. Sure. Uh. And yeah, fuck that, obviously. But um, there is an anti-establishment in punk that I appreciate. Mm -hmm. A sort of like, I mean, Pink Floyd is not punk, but Pink Floyd's The Wall is absolutely punk. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like that entire album. Just just criticizing, like using music to criticize, like, you know, oh, if you post have... World War II British government, that's punk as fuck. Oh, if you like, want to have 100%. a conversation about Pink Floyd, one of my favorite goddamn bands, let's goddamn do this. You could say the same oh, thing man. about Animals. You could say this mm. about a lot of songs off of Dark oh, Side of yeah. the Moon. For sure. You could also yeah. definitely say this about Have a Cigar off of Wish You Were Here. Oh, God, I love Wish You Were Here. Mm-hmm. I love it so much. I um, was not going to nominate Pink Floyd for my not punk band that has punk yeah. energy, but yeah, I mean, I get Who, it. Like, who'd you want to go with? Uh, I was going to say Woody Guthrie. Oh, fuck yes. Woody, I don't. Guthrie. Woody Guthrie is the original punk. He absolutely is. If you don't know who Woody Guthrie is, go look him up right now. You, first of all, yeah. you've definitely heard Woody Guthrie's music. The okay. man wrote This Land Is Your Land. Oh, that guy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And the so the This Land Is Your Land uh, or This Land Is Our Land, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, the version of it that we know today is actually edited. Yeah. Um, the original, original lyrics are super super leftist and very just like good vibes all around very like pro-union um pro pro pro-immigrants yeah pro-immigrants pro-union it's a very good song but then like his publicist or whoever published the song made him record a second version that was not as um you know the way it was (laughs) Um, yeah woody guthrie once said just to know how like metal he is, and this is a dude who like uh, was around during the Red Scare, like the 1950s and 60s. Um, he once said, uh, "If you call me a communist, I am very proud because it takes a wise and hardworking person to be a communist during yeah. the Red Scare." He's also <laughs> he's also famous for um, having written on his guitar, "This machine kills fascists." He was very yes. anti-fascism. Yeah, yeah, I was very about to go there too. Yeah, because then Tom Morello also did the same thing, like in homage to Woody Guthrie. Yeah, because obviously, you know, Rage Against the Machine, very like anti-establishment, very like critical of conservative government yeah. mm-hmm. you know what's a, so it, it was very just critical really of fitting nazis for, in general yeah. yeah oh do you know what, it was just really s- fitting for tom morello to also have that written on his guitar did you know you what's really you? amazing about him is that he has a phd in poli sci yes did you and, see at a recent rage against the machine show it's an upside there's a hologram or hologram um you know a 
thing a thing there's a thing projected a projection there you go <laughs> um, we got to thank it. you i you know what i knew i would and i did and i couldn't have done it without your support yeah um there's a thing on there um it was an upside down american flag and it said nazi lives don't matter yeah hell yeah yeah um if i could real quick quote the original lyrics to this land obviously we know this land is your land this land is my land by the way this song was written in opposition to god bless america yes uh and then the verses as i went as i went walking that ribbon of highway and i saw above me the endless skyway i saw below me that golden valley this land was made for you and me I roamed and rambled, and I followed my footsteps to the sparkling sands of her diamond deserts. All around me a voice was sounding, this land was made for you and me. There was a big high wall there that tried to stop me. A sign was painted, said private property, but on the back side it didn't say nothing. This land was made for you and me. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Basically like, uh, some asshole claimed this land that is for you and me? Fuck them. <laughs> like... Yeah. So yeah, he um he uh didn't give a fuck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um oh, here's another verse. One bright sunny morning in the shadow of the steeple by the relief o- relief office, I saw my people. As they stood hungry, I stood there wondering if God bless America for me. That was the call out. Yeah. <laughs> like that was That was the... Woody Guthrie being like, oh, God, America's so great. Um, why the fuck are people hungry, asshole? Yeah. Dumbass. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Woody Guthrie. Uh punk as fuck. Hell yeah. Also, if you're going with like, you know, um how how punk was he, you know, really? Uh, in terms of doing drugs and alcohol, man died at the age of 55. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, he actually died of com- complications from Huntington's disease. I apologize to what he got to say. Wow. <laughs> wow. I feel like a real dick. <laughs> this is what you get nice. for not reading the full Wikipedia. <laughs> it happens. It happens yeah. to the best of us. So my nomination uh, is going to be John Durnell and the Mountain Goats. Okay. Ooh, nice. Because they, like, uh, when I said, like, authenticity, like, he has a lot of authenticity in his music. Uh, He just, he writes what he writes, and um, he he was one of those, like, uh, very... Um, he butted heads with a lot of uh, record execs back in the day because he was like, look, these are my songs. This is how it's going to come out, and it's going to sound exactly like this. And <laughs> he didn't care about what uh, other people said when it came to, like, oh, but what if you, you know, mastered it a little bit? And he was like, no, I recorded this on my boombox in my living room. We're printing it now. You know what I would consider to be a very punk rock John Darnell Mountain Goat song. What's that? Color in your cheeks. Yeah, that is a good one because it's a, it's about immigration. Yeah. And uh, like being accepting to everyone that comes in. Yeah. 
I like how and we're like punk rock, being hardcore, fighting against the man, accepting your neighbors and loving for the position. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I think the Mountain Goats technically counts as folk punk. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um especially in their early days. But then they also like a lot of their newer stuff uh kind of has a a punk vibe and there's a lot of crossover with that audience like oh yeah if you go to a mountain goats show you'll see people in um what whatever they're called the the vests with the patches oh, and the battle all jackets that. yeah yeah the, the, yeah you'll see people in battle jackets and stuff oh yeah so it's just a good vibe mountain goat show's got a good vibe to it Hell yeah. yeah for my nominations i'm just going to give you a shotgun answer of a bunch of names because I don't want to go with just one, and I've had enough whiskey to do what the fuck I want. <laughs> uh, this qu- this question stemmed from a person I've been listening to a lot of recently, which is Roger Allen Wade, who is old Ooh, as fuck, nice. and he he stems more into the the don't give a fuck son of punk because I can't really find mm-hmm. anything on his politics or whatnot. But a lot of his songs just have that juvenile glee that a lot of punk bands do like they don't always hit the political notes some of them just do the fun shit you know and it's definitely roger allen wade but for like more punk energy and punk vibes that what y'all are talking about i gotta give you willie nelson dolly parton and the dixie chicks um yes absolutely yeah i definitely i really really wanted to go with waylon jennings but he got clean and sober and then started like doing a lot of like pro cop music and it's like miss we just miss me with that shit bro absolutely yeah. okay so first of all um dolly parton our lady of appalachia uh i was surprised all, neither one of you guys went with her i considered it okay okay so i will go ahead and say i don't think dolly parton's music has that punk energy Dolly Parton's actions have that punk energy. Uh, For sure. Oh, you don't want to talk about how 9 to 5 is a worker's rights anthem? Okay, that's one song. (laughs) That's fair. fair. I mean, she's got some fucking hardcore shit in her early career. Like, she has a song about a woman who got pregnant pregnant out of wedlock and then jumped off a bridge. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so that's what Islands in the Stream is about. I'm just kidding. That was a joke. <laughs> no, that's hard candy Christmas. <laughs> no, uh it's something 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 about a bridge. Yeah. But yeah, it's about falling in love with a guy and then the guy gets the girl pregnant and then she jumps off a bridge because Damn. um no one in the town, small town that she lives in will let her get an abortion. Yeah. Um, I yeah. will I will go ahead and say that absolutely we all know Karl Marx was inspired by nine to five. One hundred percent. Hell yeah. <laughs> like absolutely, no question. Um Dolly Dolly should sue. Uh but I will go ahead and say in defense of the Dixie Chicks, you youngins who listen to this podcast might not remember, but we owe apologies to pretty like those of us who lived in post 9-11 America owe apologies to pretty much every female famous person yeah. ever. Yeah. Like just everyone. But especially to the Dixie Chicks, because they all they did was criticize Bush, who, for the record, is a war criminal. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, he's cute and he paints dogs, but like, please don't forget, he was a terrible fucking president. I think that we were just like so Trump hungover that like anyone who insulted Trump or didn't publicly support him or was just like, I don't think he would be a good president, you know, the bare fucking minimum was like, mm-hmm. seemed amazing to us back yeah. in 2017. Um, yeah. But Bush was a terrible fucking president, 100%. Well, and, yeah, a lot of that comes from because he was just – he just happened to be the president during the most recent national tragedy. Yeah. And that's all – that's all people remember. Yeah. And, um, yeah, people don't remember, like, the nitty-gritty of, like, the – the whole like mission accomplished thing. Oh, a lot of people don't remember Katrina. Yeah. And how he just like totally fumbled the ball on Katrina. We're still recovering from the 2008 housing crisis and the depression. Absolutely. That was yeah. to, the 2008 depression is the worst depression that we've ever had in America to date. I mean, there's always next year, but like, um, <laughs> do y'all, y'all want to know what I remember most about the Bush presidency? Michael Myers and Michael Myers and Kanye West oh, doing God, the, yeah. the doing the telethon. Oh, yeah. and Kanye oh, West, man. And Michael Myers doing this heartfelt thing, and Kanye West being like, "Bush hates black people," and Michael Myers being like, "You're not wrong, but we got to keep going, bro." Yeah. <laughs> so, um, for the record, Bush was a terrible fucking president, absolutely war criminal. Um, we have been at war for like most of my life, most of our lives, and yeah. it's because of Bush, 100%. Um, but so the Dixie Chicks criticized Bush and his desire to go to war, literally all they did. And they got just slaughtered in the media. And absolutely. like fucking crucified like for real you want to talk like republicans love to talk about witch hunts and like yeah talk about being canceled (laughs) yeah being canceled like yeah for real talk about being canceled the dixie chicks were fucking canceled like but and not just by republicans by everybody because everyone to me in my memory it might not have actually been this way but it really felt like this came pretty shortly after 9-11 and 9-11 really did like Kind of, and I, I will say this is I mean, mostly it, among like white Christian Americans, but it really did sort of like bring everybody together. Mm-hmm. It to shook be, us up. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. And like, so anyone criticizing Bush at all was bad news bears. Um, God, do you remember their single "I'm Not Ready to Make Nice"? That came out I a, cap- a couple so. years after they got canceled. That song is like devastating because it's basically the Dixie Chicks being like fuck you guys (laughs) like fuck fuck y'all for what you did to us (laughs) Um, and that's why the Dixie Chicks are absolutely punk rock more punk than some punk bands yeah definitely more punk than Glenn Danzig for sure yeah (laughs) for sure 100% cheers cheers to the Dixie Chicks (sighs) god I'll drink to that. Yeah. I had another answer, but I forgot what it was. I'm going to go ahead and say Bob Dylan. Yeah. Yeah. I think anyone who wrote, like, anti-Vietnam, anti-war songs, 
mm-hmm. kind of punk. Yeah. Um, do you guys want to know? Okay, just to switch tracks a little bit. Uh, so I've been playing Detroit Become Human, and I might be like, one of these days I might be like, hey guys, can we dedicate a beginning section of Habcast to me ranting about Detroit Become Human? <laughs> um, but would you like to know a horrifying thing I realized the other day? What's that? Absolutely. Okay, so uh, the grizzled <laughs> police detective is a millennial. <laughs> Yeah. In the game. Oh God. Yeah. Oh. 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 oh and that like, gif of Matt Damon turning old from Saving Private Ryan right yes, now. Yes. Yes. I, he knows what a meme is. Like one hundred percent. He knows. He knows. He knows the correct emojis to use. He probably had a side part at some point. Like I don't fucking know. It's crazy. I hate uh, this. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> For those oh. of you who don't know, Detroit Become Human follows three androids as, like, I don't know, android revolution happens. I'm not going to go into super hardcore detail, but one of the androids is a, like, cop android. an andro- a, a cop droid. And he partners up with um, Lieutenant Hank Anderson, a human grizzled like in his 50s hard drinking police officer who doesn't know how technology works yeah Yeah, i'm too old for this shit voiced by mr krebs clancy brown (laughs) (laughs) and you and over the course of the game you find out that he was born in 1985 (laughs) which is only (laughs) six years before i was born yeah so needless to say i'm horrified horrified the prospect of reaching the near future. God. Okay. Hey, the Anyways. future is now. The future is now, old man. <laughs> hey, you know what? The future is now. It's about two weeks from now. <laughs> yep. All right. Are we ready to get into the episode? Yeah. I think so. I. You know what? I think we are. All right. Travis, this episode is called Trial and Error. What's it about? Uh, so Sam and Dean have been chilling in the middle of letters bunker. But then like Dean is just like chilling around and he's, he's checking it all out. And then all of a sudden he's like, what, what is going on? This, this is not my beautiful house. This is not my beautiful wife. (laughs) How did I get here? (laughs) And then Sam's just like, same as it ever was. Same as it ever was. Same as it ever was. Hey, is Cass the Same wife? as it ever was. The best. Same as it ever was. The best. The Same best. Same as it ever was. The best. <laughs> hey, um, who's the wife? Is it uh is it Destiel it or Denny's? <laughs> yeah. No, it's Oh Make your choice. Make your choice, you know Travis. What? Fuck fuck Castiel, it's Denny's. No oh, good. All right. And well, then Sam is like, where did I get this big car? <laughs> okay, okay, let's yeah, go. We've all heard the Talking Heads song. Okay, <laughs> anyways. Uh, Travis, I don't know if that's going to happen. Let's find out. Boop,
And we're back. Yeah. So, trial and error. Yeah. Trial this episode has a lot of really error. interesting dynamics. Yeah, I would go ahead and absolutely agree with that. Um, I don't know if I liked this episode. I didn't. I'm, I'm like, on the fence about it. Yeah, I think I didn't, but mm. there were things that I did like about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked the... Basically, I liked the monster hunt plot where, and I liked how many red herrings there were in it. Oh, really? You thought there were red herrings? I knew the second Ellie I mean, was introduced, I was like, oh, okay, she's, it, it she wasn't, made a deal. It wasn't like subtle red herrings, <laughs> yeah. but it was like, hey, this is the person. <laughs> and then someone else walks up and it's like, I'm the red herring. Um, I wanted yeah. to go, I wanted them to do a, like, okay, spoiler alert for Murder on the Orient Express. That book is like a hundred years old. But I wanted them to absolutely, everybody in the family has made a deal. Oh, yeah. Like, that's, that's, yeah. See, like, that's, honestly, I was kind of expecting that. Yeah. The fact that they, uh, that, the fact that's, that's not where they went is actually kind of disappointing to me because mm-hmm. I also was like, oh, it's going to be everybody. And then they were like, no, it's like two people. And I was like, oh, okay, well, that's less fun. <laughs> that's yeah. not as cool. Um, real quick, to sum up this episode, Kevin has cracked the code uh, after weeks of, like, I don't know, hard Bible reading. He's yeah. he's finally gotten, he, he's figured out how to close up hell. And the way to do it is through these three trials. And he is gung-ho about getting this done. He thinks if he can just get rid of the demons, then he can go back to having a normal life. And talking to people who aren't Garth, Sam, and Dean, and his mom. Who wasn't in this episode. So this episode does get a demerit just because of that. Mm-hmm. No Mrs. Tran. Negative one point. Um, the first trial is to kill a hellhound, bathe in its blood, and say some crazy words in Enochian. Because God is a dick in this universe. Yeah. Uh, so Sam and Dean decide to look up some recent demonic activity. And by recent, I mean 10 years ago. Because as we all know by this point, hellhounds are usually sent by demons to collect souls to take them to hell. They discover a very wealthy family that struck oil in in Idaho, a place Um, that is not super famous for having oil. Yeah. So they decide to go there to this family's ranch, uh, where they meet Ellie, the very cute ranch hand, property manager. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. She's adorable and great and 10 out of 10 Ellie. As well as the Cassidy's, who are basically like the sh- the cast of Dallas on crack. Like they just kind of suck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Over the course of the episode, there's a bunch of fun murders because it turns out that Crowley himself uh made these crossroads deals 10 years ago. Um and Sam and Dean have to like, you know, try to save the people, the three people who made the crossroads deal. Mm-hmm. Um, they fail for two of them, but they do save one person. So, you know, take the wins where you get them. Yeah. Uh, and then Sam kills the hellhound, bathe in its blood, 
and is the one who's able to like actually complete the ritual which really pisses dean off because he was planning on doing it and the reason why dean wanted to be the one to complete the rituals is because he thinks probably correctly because this is how supernatural works that the person who does the rituals to com- to close up hell is going to have to die at the end of the end of them and he thinks that sam deserves a chance at life so he believes that he should be what the one to do the rituals and sam is like you know what fuck you i'm gonna survive this but there's nothing doing like i have to be the one to do them now um and the episode ends pretty much yeah yeah so um so one of the thoughts that i've had because i I watched it and then i've had time to like ruminate on it Mm -hmm. this is and i felt this about like i think the last two episodes Mm -hmm. um this season is really giving me like season two energy and maybe it's just because they've been using a lot of flashbacks from like seasons two and three because they're pulling from some of that lore yeah but it really feels like this season and season six should have been flip-flopped around in a way. Uh, I can see it, yeah. Like, I think it would... I, I think the stuff that is going on in this season would have made a much more interesting follow-up than what we got, and maybe that's just because season six was... Just it's got the bar on the floor for yeah. impressiveness. I um, out of all the seasons we've watched so far, I think season six is definitely my least favorite. So I would agree with you there. Yeah. yeah. And so maybe that's why I feel that way. But um, this these past few episodes have just given me like better early season energy than well, even like the first half of this season did. Um. <laughs> Can I go ahead and say, kind of bouncing off the early season energy, because this is something I've thought not just about this episode, but the last, like, two episodes for sure. Mm -hmm. The season is not funny. No. It's not. It's not. And, And you know what? I really think most of the sin lies in the editing. Like, okay, so season... The reason why I'm bouncing off of Travis's previous statement is because... Um, seasons one and two, while they did have their moments, were not laugh riots. <laughs> they just weren't. Yeah, um, that really didn't come along until season three. Yeah, and mm-hmm. season three is really where the show got a lot goofier in tone. And, 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 and it really did attempt, and sometimes very successfully, balance that, like, goofiness with the darker tone that it sometimes like the really dark places that supernatural goes you know we have characters dying left and right we have like truly tragic moments where our heroes are being sent to hell and yet it always kept a sort of like a reverence that was really enjoyable post season Mm -hmm. three this season just doesn't have that it's pretty serious yeah. And there are some jokes this episode that I think would have landed, but the editing fucked up the jokes. Yeah. yeah. Like, okay, so we've talked about on this show basically how a joke works. You got your setup, and then you hit him with the punchline, right? Mm. Um, the setup being knock, knock, who's there? 
and then boo, boo who? Why are you crying? I don't know. Jokes are hard, y'all. Comedy is difficult. Um, tragedy is easy. Uh, comedy is hard. <laughs> uh, but at, when you're doing comedy and television shows, editing is just as important as the actual writing. Uh, and if your timing is bad on a joke, it will ruin the fucking joke. And the greatest sin this episode, I think, happened with the, hey, just so you know, this work is a lot of crap. Cut to Dean shoveling crap. That edit was way too quick. And they didn't yeah. allow time for the setup to really, like, hit. Yeah. And I, that, and I think that's been kind of a thing a lot this episode. So for context... Um, Sam and Dean go to this ranch and they like pretend to be ranch hands essentially mm, yeah. and Ellie the very cute property manager warns them hey just so you know this job is a lot of crap and then smash cut to Dean shoveling crap out of a horse's stable yeah 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 the salty of a fucking brick to the face Right, but yeah, it's it's too quick an edit. It it went from it almost cut off Ellie's line. So when you smash cut to Dean, it was like, oh, right, yeah, duh, yeah. So uh, and it really like that, especially that edit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really kind of messed with what felt like the timeline of the episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know how long Sam and Dean were supposed to have, like, been hanging around before the shit went down. Oh, two but seconds. It, it felt yeah, like, it, yeah. It felt like they showed up and shit went wrong. Which yeah. is just what happens to them anyway. Yeah. But, you know, I think they could have put in a little thing, like, we've been here for a week and there's been nothing. Yeah. And maybe, like, I don't know why, but honestly, the first, I don't know third of this episode kind of missed me like i kind of <laughs> i kind of blacked out until people started getting eaten by uh, hellhounds um i completely agree with you travis i was like i fucking hate this this is awful and then like the scene with sam and um alice happened mm-hmm. where alice was like no, I'm really okay. Like, I know I should be sad that my yeah, husband oh my died. God. Ari, we had the same exact viewing experience. Oh, my God. <laughs> that So, Alice is the oldest Cassidy daughter, and she is married to Carl, who's kind of like this dumpy dude. Um, he's, like, he's attractive, but he's not Hollywood he's like, attractive. He's Hollywood fat. Yeah, he's Hollywood fat, for sure. And he and, and, you know, Carl is the name of the guy. Carl and Alice seem super in love, you know, whatever. I don't know. We see them for like 10 seconds before Carl dies. So we don't really get an impression of their marriage, but people tell us they were in love. So, you know, whatever. And um, then Carl is the first person to be taken by the hellhound. And we find out after that scene, in a pretty creepy scene, Sam goes to, like, get their shit because they're like, ah, we couldn't kill the hellhound because 
he's come and he's gone. But we find out that Carl, Carl's demon deal was to marry Alice and have her fall in love with him. Which is pretty fucked up. And the way this actress does a really, really excellent job. Her name is Allison Down. This actress does a really excellent job, like, getting across, like, somebody basically waking up from a coma after 10 years. Yeah, it's basically like the when uh, when Carl got ate up, mm-hmm. it was like the um, all the magic fell off of her, and she was just like, "What?" I, I'm trying to think of there's there's another there's like a literary equivalent I was trying to think of, but I don't remember what it was. I can't help you because I don't know what that literary equivalent is. Yeah, I, man, I've been having a real, like, small brain day. <laughs> it happens in these quarantines. My whole, my whole day has just been like, I had an idea, but it's gone. <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> um, just in case you're wondering, Allison Down has done quite a, bit, a bunch of stuff. She's a TV actress. Um, currently, she's starring as Bev in Ginny and Georgia, the Netflix show. Uh, she's been in a couple episodes as the psychiatrist in Starfleet Discovery. She was in 12 Monkeys, um, Perfect Citizen. She's actually in two episodes of Supernatural. She comes back later and plays a different character. Nice. Uh, she was in Lost Girl, the greatest show of all time. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's been in an episode of Murdoch Mystery. It's just a big, just a big TV actress. Um, she plays... Uh, Dr. Brightman in the Stargate universe. Do you know anything about that, Ben? Maybe. Like, probably uh, Atlantis or... No, probably... Or, like, SGU, Stargate Mm -hmm. universe. Yeah, yeah. Or Continuum, maybe. I have no idea. I feel like it's got to be one of the newer series. Yeah. Um, One of the, like, more recent series, because she's kind of young. Yeah. Yeah. Ben, you are our Stargate expert. You are the only person here who has watched the Stargate show. Stargate, SGU, and Atlantis are my fucking, were my jam back in the day. But that's, you get past that, I can't help you. You don't know nothing. Yeah, I don't know nothing about nothing. You don't know shit about fuck. Exactly. All right. Um, but yeah, she does a pretty good job as Alice. She seems to basically mm. be in a coma the entire episode, which feels appropriate for the character. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, but we really didn't get to see her interact pre-Carl or pre-Carl's like death. There's a little scene where she's basically like, I don't care if you feed the animal slop. Whatever saves the most money is what I want to happen. And that's pretty much yeah. it. Yeah. Which is, like, supposed to get across to us. I don't know that she's a bad person, but then it doesn't really come back later in the episode, so it just kind of felt... Yeah, it just felt like a weird... um, It was just... I feel like it was just supposed to show that she's, like, you know... You know, she's she's, richy rich. Yeah, Yeah. she's big-time money bags, doesn't have time to give horses real food yeah you can you can feed the animals the dirt off my shoe of you know blah 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 that i thought when that scene happened i was like oh because pretty much the minute ellie was introduced i was like okay she's she made a deal um Mm. 
So when that scene happened, I was like, oh, Ellie made a deal so that the horses would live forever or something because she loves, because she says several times in the episode, like, this ranch is my home. I've been working here since I was 13. I love it here. I love the land and I love the animals and not the people so much. So, like, it was going to be something like that. And no, that's not, Ellie, Ellie made a demon deal because her mom had Parkinson's, so... Mm-hmm. So that's what happened. So, um, but yeah, I thought I was gonna connect. Oh God, small brain moment. Uh, let's <laughs> go. Let's rewind to Kevin real quick. Okay. Um, just you know, uh, that's kind of the first quarter of this episode is like Kevin unlocking the secrets of the tablet and telling Sam and Dean. But we kind of get this little preview of Kevin being just very. Um, unhealthy. Yeah, burning himself the fuck out. Staying up all night, and yeah, he's burning the candle at both ends. He's not eating well, um, and I think it's really like because he's. I think it's that like hunter culture, like closing its grip on him. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and and they actually, I think one of the jokes that here's another joke that kind of got blown past in the editing is uh sam and dean they get a call from kevin and then and then um they go over there and dean is like hey dude you should maybe like take a shower and eat something healthy maybe eat a vegetable kevin yeah and that was the the joke is that dean was the one saying that but again as soon as uh, Jensen Ackles got the line out. It and it, it like smashed away from him. Yeah, guys, you have to let a joke land. Like mm-hmm. it, j- jokes are not s- just magic. Like they they need room to breathe, like a wine. Like, <laughs> and we say this as three people who are on stage pretty often, pausing. <laughs> To let yeah. to let the audience catch up, yeah. <laughs> taking taking breaths like there are several jokes that if I just ran through them, they would not be funny, even mm-hmm. though they're fucking hilarious jokes, because I don't allow I, the timing doesn't work. Like timing is so important in comedy. And when you're, you know, doing like sketch comedy or, you know, a comedic like sort of horror comedy show mm-hmm. like Supernatural is, the editing can kill humor. It can also help it. And I could feel where the editor was trying to make the joke work, but they were just so fast. It just didn't. It just did not land for me. And you may feel differently, but please understand you're wrong. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you may feel differently, but if you think these jokes were funny, no, no, I'm joking. But uh, yeah, this is this episode, by the way, was written by uh, Andrew Dabb, uh, who is one of the mixed bag writers. Yeah, this episode itself was a goddamn mixed bag. Yeah, it really was. Fuck. Because Andrew Dabb has written. Weekend at Bobby's, a great episode. Um, What's up, Tiger Mommy? He also wrote Hinter Hirochi, Hirochi, 
Hiroichi, Hunteri Hiroichi. <laughs> the last episode of Hey Ass But is going to be me like nailing the pronunciation of that episode. Yeah. yeah, just that's it. There's nothing else. We're not going to talk about the last episode of Supernatural. It's just going to be that. Um, but he's also written The Girl Next Door, Family Matters, Season 7, Time for a Wedding. Yeah. This episode. <laughs> no, I'm just just a, a lot of episodes with a lot of yikes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I gotta say, okay, sorry. Anyways, back to Kevin. Ooh, oh, hang on. Yes. I'm going to pump the brakes real quick. Here's a little nugget of information that I just came, and maybe I said this before. I don't remember the last time we looked at Andrew Dab's uh, page on supernaturalwiki.com slash Andrew underscore Dab. Um, here's a, a little nugget. On August 27th, 2020, Dab was announced as the showrunner for Netflix's adaptation of Resident Evil. What? God, no, that, that fits. is that has never been spoke upon this show. That Did, is, I just came across it. Netflix is adapting Resident Evil into a show, and they've also done The Witcher, and they're also doing Assassin's Creed. Is there a single video game property they won't touch? Honestly, oh, The and Witcher. They did, they did Castlevania too. Yeah. The Witcher gives me hope for where they're going to take Resident Evil. Uh, Castlevania gives me hope for where they're going to take Resi yeah. Wrestle or Resident Evil. I almost said WrestleMania. Guys, I have had too much wine. I need to put this glass down. <sighs> I'm touching my hair. I'm touching my cat. I'm drunk. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah. Cast oh, God. It kind of gives me hope for Assassin's Creed too. Mm -hmm. I want that show to be good. I do. You guys don't know this. I am a huge Assassin's Creed person who's played several of those games. Well, like, yeah. That's a lot of words to avoid saying that you're a fan of those games. Are you a f yes or no question, Ari? Are you a fan of Assassin's Creed? It's a yes or no question. Nope. Yes or, or no. Or, <laughs> or isn't or. an option. No, it is. I will, I will hit. Yes, I will hit you no. with a boat. Or you'll have to reach me first. <laughs> we work together already. Yeah, I know we do. You see me tomorrow. Yeah. You can absolutely hit me with a boat. Or so rude. <laughs> I'm gonna go to HR for this. The answer to the "Am I a fan of Assassin's Creed?" The answer is yes, but it's also no. Yeah. <laughs> because I have yeah. serious issues with the series. It's repetitive. Mm -hmm. Like, once you've played one Assassin's Creed game, you've played them all. They're just in different mm -hmm. settings with slightly different characters. It just so happens that I love doing parkour in video games, so I've played multiple Assassin's Creed games. Hell yeah. Fair. Also, sometimes the characters will do shit that just completely contradicts what I've done the entire game, and that's always a little frustrating. Like, I don't have a problem with the fact that it's not an RPG, mm -hmm. but <laughs> when you... Okay, so um, in Assassin's Creed 2, right, you're playing Ezio, who is a great character. Like, Ezio is just, like, what every main character 
who's like pretty much heroic should aspire to be right he's like a ladies man he's just like really jokey and he's fun he's just but he's also got like this dark side of him that wants revenge he's just a great fucking character Mm -hmm. but here's the issue um I am bad at Assassin's Creed games. I'm not a good video game person in general. Like, I'm just not good at video games. So in stealth missions, I don't so much stealth around as I do kill everyone in my path because it's easier than, like, figuring out the timing in video games. But then at the end of the game, Ezio's like, no, murder is wrong. I'm going to spare you, main villain who killed my family. And I'm like, oh, that's unfortunate because I've just murdered a shit ton of innocent guards. Like, <laughs> And so I kind of, I don't know, I have an issue with that sort of like philosophy. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, he, Ezio is literally an assassin. He can't take the moral high ground on murder. <laughs> he spent the entire game being a murderer. <laughs> so um, That's not the only Ubisoft uh, property that has that issue. I think Watch Dogs also famously has a lot of, like, tonality <clears throat> issues with um, you'll do missions and or like you can when you're doing missions the characters will be like oh don't kill anyone we we don't kill people we're just hackers with a cause but then because it's an open world game you can also just walk around in gta murder people yeah i mean and there's no consequences in between so you can walk around town and kill everyone. Yeah. And then once you do a mission, it's like, we're so peaceful. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's not quite what's happening with Assassin's Creed because again, it is called Assassin's Creed. Like assassin is in the name. You do spend an insane amount of time assassinating people, but then every once in a while, Ezio or Edward or whoever you're playing as will be like, no, I must spare you, guy who I should explicitly want to murder. And you're like, what the fuck is happening? Why am, what? What do you, what do you mean you're going to spare this one dude? You just killed like 10 people to get to this guy. Yeah. What? So yeah, it's a little, it's a little hard to swallow there, but Running around on rooftops is fun. So, you know. Uh. Yeah. I, like I forgot why we started talking about Assassin's Creed. <laughs> we started talking about Assassin's Creed because Andrew Dabb is running. Um, oh, right. And the then the Netflix series. adaptations. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. I, I had to walk myself back through that. Yeah. Tangents, so, baby. If you don't think we're not going to watch Re- the Resident Evil series for, hey, for LSA, you don't know us very well. You do not know us at all. Yeah, we're absolutely going to fucking watch that. We're going to watch the whole thing. Fucking hell. <laughs> Just for one episode of LSA. Absolutely. That's, honestly? No. Honestly, not, maybe. I mean, I'm yeah, I'm for that. Yeah. I'll, we could I do mean, a sideshow of it. Yeah. First of all, Ben, were you not absolutely going to watch the Resident Evil series just because it's Resident Evil? I probably would have watched the first episode and gone from there. Yeah, uh, I it probably would have hit me with like a theme or a trope or two, and it's like ah fuck it, now I got to see the rest of this, and yeah. it probably is gonna be somewhere between four to eight episodes, 
That's doable. Yeah. yeah. You know what I want? More animated, but like adult animation um, video game adaptations. That's what they did with Castlevania. And y'all, Castlevania is so good. Boy, do I have something for you, Ari. You know what there's a shit ton of? Uh, adult animated what? Resident Evil movies. Oh shit, really? Wait, really? Yeah. There's like a, as far as I remember, there's a bunch. It might not be as many as I remember, but there's at least two. It might be like CGI, but they're still animated. You know. Huh. Are they like in universe? Yeah. Like they're not, um, they're not like weird offshoots like the live action movies are. They, that's a tough question to answer. They, oh, okay. but there are three. There's Resident Evil Vendetta, Resident Evil Degeneration, and Resident Evil Damnation. Oh, Ben! I feel like I've heard of those. Yeah, uh, Pat and Matt used to make fun of them a lot on SBFP. That might be why I, I, I why it sounds so familiar. Yeah. Ben Sage Benjamin, um, are the Resident Evil movies good? The live action ones. The live action ones on a scale yeah. for the entirety of the series. Ooh, on a scale ooh, no, of hold on. Let me let me do the scale. I was gonna just do one to five. On a scale from Silent Hill two to Devour. <laughs> <laughs> How good? How good are they? I don't know which end is better and I don't know which end is worse. I'm just gonna give you the no. answer I was gonna give. You know in your heart. You I know, know heart. you know what it is. <laughs> there's a few that stem really close to the Devour side, but there's a few that stem really close to that second Silent Hill movie. Okay. Uh, so it's a mixed bag is what you're saying? It's a mixed bag on the whole, but as a series, out of five, I was going to give it probably a 3.4 or a 2.4. Nah, 2.4. Because it's, 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 it's about average for like video game stuff like if you love just hokey action they're great for that if you're a fan of resident evil and the lore that the video games provide kind of trash i mean fair enough yeah maybe what i'll do then is i will watch the movies first before i play a resident evil game as a fan of both do what you want yeah fair enough like for real that's the like the internet can, the internet can ruin stuff for people and it can ruin fine things the silent hill movie completely fine the second one is less so it's definitely less so <laughs> but there's still a fine way to spend an afternoon if you want to want to watch a couple of like hokey ghost movies sure yeah um question answer what resident evil game should i start with Ooh, for you for you specifically for me for me ari kobler specifically i think you should play four first okay great because i was looking at four on mm. steam currently yeah. right now yeah it's it's the cheapest one most likely uh skip zero probably skip one watch a let's play of it unless you play like the remake version definitely play it um re2 remake is good honestly you could play four or eight just because like you know nothing you, like you know the basics right 
Yeah, it's a... Okay, so... Okay, here's... Listeners, for your entertainment, here's what I know about the Resident Evil series. There's an evil company called the Umbrella Corporation. Okay. And they fuck around, and unfortunately, that means that other characters have to find out. (laughs) (laughs) So That is so ambiguous, you're correct. (laughs) Keep going. (laughs) I know that there is a character named Claire. What's her last name? Claire. (laughs) No, her last name is Redfield. Okay, I knew that. Mm-hmm. And then there's another character named Jill, and they are cops. No. And they murder mm-hmm. zombies. Close. And it's a survival horror series, so like your weapons break. No. Or you have to find food. N- n- no. Okay. <laughs> I know there's endings. There's multiple endings based on decisions you make. Sometimes. And I know that Resi 7 is still kind of the most horrifying video game I've ever seen in my life. Like the absolutely scariest one. I will never get over the birthday cake thing. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Resi. I watched Ben play Resi 7. And it still terrifies me to this day. Because here's the thing. Resi 7 takes place in Backwoods, Louisiana. And it focuses on a, a, a hillbilly family. And hillbillies are so scary to me. <laughs> Specifically hillbilly cannibals. They're terrifying. Um, but just, I don't know, regular hillbillies, still pretty scary. And these are yeah. mutated hillbillies. And I'm so scared. I'm so scared the whole time. Oh, God, it was so scary. So, yeah, so... Yeah, that's close enough. You're gonna have fun with it. Um, yeah, I yeah. nailed it. Because of how, because of how fresh seven is on your mind, I would either go with four or eight. Really. Okay. Um, oh, and I know I watched a let's play of eight, and I'm gonna go ahead and say this: Lady Demistro. Demitresk. Demitresk. Uh, break my neck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Step on my face. <laughs> so I just got to like you. You kind of have to like the first time you in the game. You know you run from her, and then the second time is when you're in that weird hallway that's like a bunch of figure eights, mm-hmm. and a thing happens to Ethan, and then you have to go fix that thing. And like, by a thing, do you mean he gets his hand cut off for the millionth billionth time? Maybe. Poor Ethan. God. Yeah. Uh, Ethan's I'm, life poor is Ethan just in both of his hands. A series yeah. of sad things happen to Ethan's hands. Fucking hey, Ethan Winters more like Ethan Terribles. Hey, Ethan Winters and Luke Skywalker walk into a bar <laughs> yeah. and then suddenly neither of them have hands. Hold on. Hold on. I've got it, y'all. Ethan the winter of our discontent. <laughs> Okay, anyways, I was proud of that one. I'm proud of any joke I can make that's actually a Shakespeare reference. Hell yeah. Guys, were we talking about Supernatural at some point? I don't remember. Uh, Maybe. (laughs) Do we want to get back to that? I mean, honestly, I don't remember. I also feel like I've said almost everything I've I've wanted to say. Kevin, Kevin is having a bad time. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Kevin's having a bad time. And I thought um, I thought that um, they were gonna like play up the conflict that's occurring between Sam and Dean with Kevin in the middle, because Sam is like, "Hey, Kev, please get a full eight hours of sleep. Eat eat a banana. Get some potassium in you, buddy." And Dean is like, "This is go juice, and this is super go juice." If you take both of them at the same time, you'll see God. <laughs> yeah, I really want to talk about that moment for a goddamn second, because he pretty much gave Kevin trucker pills. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. He gave him modafinil. It's also called the time-shifting drug. Jesus. And yeah. then he told, and he told him, don't OD. And when Sam was like, hey, Dean, Kevin needs a nap. Yeah. Dean was like, guys, we're in the home stretch. Like, he literally says, like, we're in the 11th inning. Now it's time to work through the pain. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, that's fine when it's you, Dean. Like, you can say that to your... I mean, it's not fine when it's you. You you yeah. also need a nap, Dean. But, like, you can't put that on, on a teenager. Yeah. Yeah, you can't, you can't give a teenager... A highly addif- addictive substance. No, definitely uh, not. Yeah, I don't know what the other one was. I'm guessing it was just ibuprofen. Yeah, yeah. fucking probably. Yeah, he gave them fucking modafinil and goddamn ibuprofen. It was like, go nuts, kid. <laughs> yeah. Don't OD. Uh, Figure your shit out, kid. Yeah. Um, I gotta say, I liked. I will go ahead and say, not my favorite Dean moment. Yeah. But later in the episode was a good Dean moment. And that was when he was like, you see a light at the end of this tunnel and I don't. Yeah. So I'm doing the trials. Um, I think that's really interesting. Okay, go on. Tell me why. So, um... At the beginning of the episode, we kind of see Sam goofing on Dean for kind of like nesting in the Men of Letters bunker. Mm -hmm. And then um, at some point, oh, yeah. And then also like Dean makes his own burgers like in the kitchen. Yeah. And Sam kind of goofs on him for that. But also like Dean had a good year of domestic life Mm -hmm. with... um, Lisa. Lisa. I yeah, with Lisa. And so it's like it's not out of the question that Dean would have been, you know, cooking burgers and like taking showers and sleeping on memory foam mattresses. Like Yeah. I'm I'm glad at the beginning of this episode Dean kinda has a nice little like I love this place moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then also kinda again, um, when all the Cassidy's come in and he's like man in the grill. Yeah. Um, I like that. But I think the, uh, th- the dynamic that Sam and Dean have here where Dean is like, I don't see a light at the end of the tunnel here, mm-hmm. but you do. And I feel like that's that. I think that moment is where I got most of my like early season energy from. Mm hmm. Because in seasons one and two, we were still getting a lot of, like, Dean saying, we're going to be hunters forever, and Sam going, sure we are, Dean. Maybe one day I'll have a normal life. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And I think it's just interesting that where Sam used to get so much pushback from Dean about trying to live a normal life, mm-hmm. now Dean is basically like, you're the only one that has a chance to. Um, I will go ahead and say when the scene, so I agree with you, Travis, but when the scene happened where Dean was like, you deserve a family and I think you're the only person who gets that and the only happy ending I get is like death, but I'm going out guns blazing, Thelma and Louise style. Mm -hmm. So what I was hit most by is the fact that Andrew Dabb wrote this episode and he also wrote the finale. And obviously, I cannot go into a huge amount of detail, Mm -hmm. but I was just like, holy shit. So you're like, basically what you're saying is the last episode of Supernatural. What you're saying is Andrew Dabb put in the work. I mean, not put in the work, but like he he done did it. What I'm he done he done started the whole situation. What I'm saying is, we'll talk about it when we get to the finale. Okay, great. <laughs> I don't know if we'll go back and talk about this episode specifically and like the con mm-hmm. with knowing the context of the finale, but like this is it's all I could think about when Dean was during his monologue. I was just like, he, I can see the the road from point A to B. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah. Um Okay. So we said what we liked about this. Here's what I didn't like about that scene. Mm-hmm. Dean says this thing, but then, you know, 13 episodes ago, Dean was actively yelling at Sam for trying to pursue that. Oh. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Holy shit. But you're what, right. Yeah. Like, yeah. What's up with that? Yeah. Hey, you want a normal life, Sam? Fuck you. Hunting is in your blood. Beginning of the season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that just, I don't know. That might be a byproduct of just like season bleed. Yeah. Because, you know, we've said multiple, multiple times that the first, I don't know, 10 episodes of this season should have belonged in season seven. And we said that about season seven, too. Like, the first, like, two episodes of season seven were really season six episodes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, And so that might just be that situation again. But, yeah, I thought it was really interesting that Dean is now taking this stance when before he was literally the opposite way around you gave up on hunting fuck you sam (laughs) yeah um oh real quick a little note just an offshoot um so in that scene i believe both sam and dean are wearing glasses Mm -hmm. basically sam and dean wear glasses this episode and as a representative of the um group of people on this podcast who are attracted to men good job yeah, they chose some good frames. Yeah, 10 plus plus. Jensen Ackles looks super hot in glasses. And I just mm-hmm. want to say fangirls and queer fanboys and those that lie betwixt, I see you. I see you. You know what? You were represented. 
You know what? Dean in general, like Jensen Ackles in general, this episode just looked beautiful. Oh my God. Like I remember there was one specific scene where Dean was talking and it was just like his face was just front and center in the, in the, in the shot. And just like, I could see his eyelashes and I was just like, damn, Jensen is looking good in this shot right now. <laughs> um, Jensen Ackles in general is just a very hot person. Mm-hmm. Like not that JPad, not that JPad does not go up to scruff, okay? But like, okay, so like Jensen to me is like a pretty boy. Oh yeah. I mean, he's several years older than I am, but he's like. <laughs> When I see Ackles, I'm like, wow, you're beautiful. Like, holy shit. Good job. Absolutely. Hey, Jehovah, good job crafting. Did, did thou who made Jensen Ackles also make the tiger? Like, what's happening here? <laughs> um, and when I see J-Pad, I'm more like, I don't know, rugged. Like, just yeah. not, like, beautiful. Like, he's still very attractive. He's very handsome. But I'm not, like... Uh, I don't know. I'm also not <laughs> genuinely not attracted to like either of them. We'll get to the first person who I'm really like, like, um, yeah. Anyways, so, but J J Pad and Jensen Ackles in glasses. Good, good job. Yeah. Thank you for finding an excuse to put both of them in glasses because, like, holy shit, guys. Good fucking job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, a couple other things this episode I want to point out. Um, when Sam realizes that Crowley was the demon who, like, did all their demon deals, that was a twist that I did not see coming. So I, I was like... I thought that was kind of silly. <gasps> <laughs> oh, it was... Oh, the blocking of the scene when Sam realizes it was absolutely silly. I think it did, like, a cro- like a close-up on his face, and he was like... <gasps> <laughs> but I didn't but, I didn't think that was, like, going to happen, so... Yeah. I didn't but also it. in the in the timeline of the universe, mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah, because ten years ago Crowley was just the king of the crossroads. He wasn't the king of hell yet. No, no. So Crowley was just out there making demon deals left and right. Oh, and I did like, like I did like the moment Sam and Dean had where. They were like, do you think he's going to show up? And they were like, no. <laughs> yeah. He's the king of hell now. Surely he gets other people to, to like pick up his dry cleaning, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, surely that's not, he doesn't do that himself. Mm-hmm. Um, so the episode, one of the other moments I really loved in this episode, there were some good Sam lines this episode. Uh And I think my favorite, like, Sam moment is when Sam decides to take on the responsibility of doing the trials. And he says, um, and Dean says, Sam, be smart. And Sam says, I am. And so are you. You're not a grunt, Dean. You're a genius. When it comes to lore, you're the best damn hunter I've ever seen. Better than me. Better than dad. I believe in you, Dean. So please, please believe in me, too. Because basically, Sam is like, I'm going to survive the trials. Like, I know you think that death is going to happen at the end of these. Like, one of us has to die. Mm -hmm. But no. Like, fuck that. 
And honestly, that's a fair attitude for Sam to have because how many times have Sam and Dean certainly like 100% needed to die for something to happen and they still survive? Yeah. <laughs> or have sure. died and then just come back. Like at mm-hmm. this point, Sam should be like, you know what? We're basically immortal. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're one of those immortals who can die, but we come back. So, like, honestly, we're going to survive this. Um, Sam also had a himbo moment in the episode uh, when they were talking to Kevin, and Kevin is explaining the trials. Oh, and yes. And Sam was just like, trials like in Law and Order? Yeah. And, and Kevin is just like, no, you <laughs> fucking himbo. Yes. Go flex your muscles some more, Sam. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So... What else? Ben, what you got? I think we've covered it all, to be honest with you. Uh, yeah. Uh, here's a fun fact. There's a scene where Kevin uh, chows down on some hot dogs. Mm-hmm. They were tofu dogs. Yeah. Oh. And he shared a tweet about this experience. He said, tofu dogs aren't all that bad. I, he- I had to eat them raw. So better tofu raw than intestines and rectums. That, yeah, for real. Yeah. Because hey, he's vegan, right? I think so. Mm-hmm. I know Misha Collins is too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Misha Collins is um, vegan and we know that for sure because one, he's mentioned it on social media, but also because in the episode where he had to eat the raw meat. Yeah, it was some was kind like, of amalgamation yeah, like, of plant matter. He, and he was not as nice about the hot dogs as Kevin was. He was like, it was mm. disgusting. I hated it. <laughs> That's just how committed uh, to the craft he is. Uh, Osric Chow also he has his uh, pronouns in his Twitter profile which is nice that's cool. lovely um, oh the reason why Sam and Dean um, wear the glasses is so they can see the hellhounds because like anything like a reflective surface I guess or you know glass whatever soaked in holy oil can see can allow them to see hellhounds so that's why mm-hmm. You guys want to hear an interesting review? Absolutely. Yeah. It is, uh, you could probably guess, an 8 out of 10. And 2 out of 3 nice. found this helpful. It's, <laughs> it's entitled, Tonal Problems Undermined an Otherwise Good Episode. This is the first episode in the shutting of the Gates of Hell trials, and in some ways that is why it isn't as solid. Too much is going on in the episode, and there's too many different vibes to the episode. The rich family squabbles are distracting. Worst, they are not really funny and take time that could have been used to smooth out the plotting somewhat. Boy, do the Winchesters get lucky in this episode. First try, and they succeed. With that being said, the core story developments make sense and give give the season a good sense of direction. Best of all, this episode has some of the most striking visual effects work in the show's run. The Hellhounds are just cool, which they are. I just, like, I find that title, like, like... They didn't really. We didn't talk about the tonal problems, dude. Yeah. Come on, cubs and cultures. What were the tonal problems? Yeah. <laughs> um, I will go ahead and say it is definitely the season has been a little bit of a tonal shift. Yeah. From sort of the goofiness that we've seen in the past, which some mm-hmm. people might prefer to some people that might not be their bag. There's no really like right or wrong way. Yeah. 
the show's been on for 15 seasons. There's going to be some changes. Um, it's not all going to be the same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I do have an issue with the fact that this is a comedy. And this episode is just not funny. Fucking it a. just isn't. Right. Like, and if you enjoy this episode and you think it's a fucking laugh riot, that's your bag. Like, and that's absolutely fine. But you were not one of the hosts of Hey Ass Pint, so... Yeah. Yeah. Make your own podcast where you love the episode. Yeah. Do that. That's fun. Make your own podcast, call it something else, and basically mm-hmm. be like, this is a direct response to Hey Ass, but I fucking hate those guys. Um, this episode is fucking hilarious, and they're hacks. And you know mm. what? I applaud you, and I wish you the best on your supernatural journey. Hell Yeah. Please um, add us when you start releasing episodes as well. Oh, oh my God! Please, I'll yeah, listen to the episodes. We'll yeah, one hundred percent. I do have one other review that seems fun to read. Okay. It is also an eight out of ten. <laughs> it is entitled "Triwizard Tournament Meets Supernatural," which is oh my God! Oh, oh man! Oh yeah, man! Yeah. <laughs> First of all, Dean in the Men of Letters cave, perfect scene. He has his own room, preparing delicious burger, his waiting for Sam's reaction, priceless. Like little children waiting for parents' reaction on its drawings, wow, you're welcome. Kevin translates the tablet and found out the first of three tasks. One of the brothers must survive three tasks, three extremely dangerous tasks. The first task is to kill a hellhound, to this point I was really thrilled. With the arrival on the farm, it wasn't as good as it could be. I think another story would would be more interesting, but the direction or the but the detection that Crowley was involved in was good. What I didn't like was the image of hellhounds. I think that people fear the invisible much more. The imagination can work better. On the other hand, the brother moment was great. It's kind of sad that Dean has the suicidal mood, but in the gesture of trust Sam to do the trials, we can see hope. Good moments of the brothers and Kevin. The farm story could be better. 8 out of 10. Um, Ben, I thought you started having a stroke in the middle of that. <laughs> I think a child wrote this in 2013. Maybe somebody who's like English as a second language. Either way, I'm sorry. Uh, I just read what was written. I um, did. I do smell toast, though. I will go ahead. Oh my god! I will go ahead and say that when people are writing out these reviews, my experience has been. They're pretty fast. You know, they're like right yeah. typing it out. They're not necessarily mm-hmm. editing the shit. So I, I will go ahead and say that um, when I read out reviews, I sometimes will like edit as I read mm-hmm. and like use a correct grammar. So like that's not just you, Ben. <laughs> like yeah. that's on several reviews on IMDb, which is totally fine. Yeah, I you don't, know. It's not like we're going to Roger Ebert and being like, "What do you think about Supernatural, <laughs> Roger?" Yeah. Um, Let's get a Ouija board and talk to old Roger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I a lot of them definitely have the energy of like either they they watched the episode and then logged on as fast as possible and was like, "IMDb needs to know." <laughs> yeah. yeah, or. Alternatively, they're binging all the episodes mm. now and are like, IMTP needs to know. Yeah. yeah. I will say to this person's credit, they do something that I love to do, which is 
emphatically use the goddamn inner key to add spaces. Absolutely. Oh yeah. God, it's the best thing because like they don't do it for like every sentence; they just do it for every like chunk or for like every bullet point of topic that they want to talk about. Which is that is a great idea. Kudos HP one nine nine three. Then a bunch of other letters. So I would like to go ahead and make kind of give a quick criticism of the review because at the end of it they said that Dean trusts Sam to get through the trials. But that is not what happens in the episode. It's very not true. Yeah. The episode ends on Dean's face as he looks very doubtful that yeah. they're going to survive this. Dean does not give his support. He does not say he thinks that Sam's going to make it through. Sam basically gives him some passion to plea, and Dean pretty much says nothing. Um, we don't know how Dean feels about it yet. Dun, dun, yeah. dun. I mean, we know he's not like totally pleased. We know he's not yeah. thrilled. Um, what if Sam gets his magic powers back from doing the trials? Oh, God. <gasps> you, you sweet summer child, you. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about that as Sam was like, after he said the Enochian words and his arm got all glowy and shit. Yeah. Um, which that was a pretty cool effect, but I was like, "Oh yeah, Sam used to have magic powers." I'm holding a glass of wine, like dramatically, like <laughs> I remember when I had such hope that they'd bring Magic Sam back. <sighs> Sips <I'm>... wine, <laughs> looks into fireplace that has suddenly appeared. I'm just remembering the past. Don't mind me. I'm just reminiscing on better times. Dear Mr. Dab, Sam is technically psychic. Please remember that. Love, <laughs> Ari. Okay, anyways, so, um, final thoughts, comments, questions, concerns, hopes, dreams, wishes, alternate realities um, we want to visit. This episode is a 5.3 out of 10. <laughs> but dang! I would at least give it a 6.2. <laughs> I legitimately thought about going with 6.9 again, but I thought you guys would be like, oh, when are you not going to go with that rating? You know what? Um, I'm going to meet in the middle, and I'm going to give it a 5.8. Okay. You know what? I'm going to give it a 4.2069. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, nice. For the memes, baby. Okay. So, anyways, um, our real final thoughts on the episode, please. It's it's fine. I don't want to watch it again on yeah. purpose. Yeah, I I'm I'm glad that we're like getting somewhere now. I tell you what, because it really felt like the whole Benny situation, that whole first half of the season, really just kind of dragged along, and I was like, God, it's not going to be like this the whole time, is it? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad it's not. I remember there was a review because I was looking at the reviews too, Ben. There was a review where somebody was like, um, I give this episode, like, it's it's nice that we're finally getting somewhere. And I was like, yeah, how many episodes in are we to the season? Oh, 15 out of like 23? Yeah. That's not, we have... 
not a whole lot more We've episodes, got like 10 guys. more episodes left. We 10 or 8, yeah. We have 8. Oh, 8? Hold on. I thought this was a 24 oh, episode sorry. season. It is, a, it is a 23, and it's oh, 9 okay. because we're on episode 14. Sorry, I already skipped episode 15 because I'm so excited to announce what next episode's going to be. <laughs> um, so excited. <laughs> Uh, one last thing in the review that Ben read. Uh, oh, small brain. It's gone. <laughs> it's gone. No, find the Y'all review. Y'all witnessed that in real time. Sometimes the train just leaves <laughs> the station down. right now. Yeah. Oh, I, I had a, I had a legitimate point I was going to make and then it left my brain it's, space. It's gone. Okay. <laughs> Hey, maybe maybe it. next episode Travis will be conscious. We can only hope. <laughs> Find right. out next week on Hey As You know what happened? <laughs> we did too much time travel shit in the beginning of this episode. Now and, I just don't know. And now okay. Travis is literally unstuck from time. <laughs> oh boy. All right. Well, Travis, I don't have any final thoughts, comments, questions, concerns, hopes, dreams, wishes, alternate realities, the Bernstein Bears realities I wish to be in. So, Travis, this next episode is called... Ben, if you could do a drum roll, please. Men's best friend with benefits. What's it about, Travis? What's it about, Travis? God. No wrong answers. This is a safe space. Sam and Dean find out what yiffing is. Hey yo. Okay, <laughs> this is not a safe space. Go to prison. <laughs> Go to orange jail. You said no wrong Bonk. answers. I said no wrong answers. I lied. <laughs> is that <sighs> it? They just find out what yiffing is. Yeah, that's it. That's okay. the whole episode. It's the whole law and order situation. Great. Um, well, bum, bum. Travis, I don't know if that's going to happen, but if it does, we'll talk about it next week on Hey Ass Bud. Listeners, yeah. I am so excited for this next episode. Do you know why, listeners? Do you know why I'm excited? It's because we put on Twitter a meme that was like, this episode starring the writer's barely disguised kink. And oh, I was this like, is going to be that episode? Like, what episode of Supernatural does this apply to? And everyone said, man's best friend with benefits. So, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Thank Travis, you. You're in for a ride. Thank you. <laughs> Ooh, all right. Thank you so much for listening. If you oh. want to hear more from us, you can check out our website, habcast.com, where we list, where you can find links to all of our social media at Habcast on Twitter and Instagram, and Hey Ask But a Supernatural podcast on Facebook. You can also find a link to our Patreon, where for $3, count them, one, two, three dollars a month, you can listen to the other show we do called The Shag Ass. If you think we rag on Supernatural episodes, holy shit, listeners. Check out our Let's Jack Ass episodes. They are a fun, fun time. We've done uh, Evil Dead 2, Freaky, um, X Files, X Files. Yeah. It's, Somebody's it's, it's Christmas great. Cottage. <laughs> Thomas Kincaid's Christmas Cottage. It's where we watch things that supernatural actors have been in that are, in fact, not supernatural. Um, so go check that out. Uh, 
Thank you guys so much for listening. I've had too much time wine and now I smell toast. Okay. Thank you guys so much for listening. Until next time, have fun. And don't die. Bye.